It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 782 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, September the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. Today, we are talking all about the Raptors and the Celtics. Game 7, very exciting stuff. That's coming up a little bit later on. Myself and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics teaming up for once again another crossover episode. But first, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need over at rockauto.com. More on them in just a second. As I mentioned, today it's myself and John Corrales. We are talking about Game 7, teeing it up, talking about the stakes and what's involved here. Uh, Are both of these teams favored to make the finals if they do win this series? Uh, Spoiler alert, yes, I think both of us agree that they are. Uh, We talk about the small lineup for the Raptors and how that may throw a wrench into things in Game 7 in a way that it has not yet thrown a wrench into things until late in Game 6, and maybe it could be a decider. I don't know. We talk a little bit about Game 6 as well, kind of relive that a little bit from the Celtics side of things. Uh, If you have not yet listened, we talked all about Game 6 in depth on Thursday's episode with myself and Yasmin from Dishes and Dimes, so make sure you go and listen to that as well. Because what better things do you have to do today than listen to Raptors Celtics Game 6 recap and Game 7 preview content? We're here for you here 
on Locked on Raptors. So thank you very much for being with us. Um, once again, a reminder, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley Sean. I think I forgot to mention that at the top of the show. The show is at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, we have the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network running strong right now as sports are uh, very much happening all over the place. So please make sure you're listening to your local experts covering all of your favorite teams and all of the big sports. The NFL started last night. If you're a Chiefs or a Texans fan, go listen to Locked on Chiefs or Locked on Texans, for example and get the lowdown on the first game of the season. All right, without further ado, let's get to it. Myself, John Corrales of Locked On Celtics, we dive deep into Game 7, a very, very exciting Game 7 to close out what has been a wonderful, stressful, nerve-wracking, fantastic series that I think neutrals have found to be wonderful. I think John and I have probably found it to be a little bit more stressful and uh, angina-inducing than it has been terribly fun, but it has been a treat nonetheless. We've seen Kyle Lowry going off. We've seen Jason Tatum doing star things. We've seen Norm Powell popping off. We've seen OG Ananobi making a leap. It's been a wonderful series and uh, excited to tee it up and excited to watch Game 7 tonight. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second, but first, I want to tell everybody about DoorDash, which is just a wonderful, wonderful way to get food delivered to your door, perhaps. Perhaps you're watching Game 7 tonight and you're too stressed out to cook and instead you want to order some food. Maybe you have like a lucky superstition. I know I do. I like to order jerk chicken when the Raptors are playing an important playoff game. It just works for me. It calms me down. It makes me feel good and usually has some good juju tied to it as well. And you can do that. You can order jerk chicken or whatever else that you're craving right now to your door with DoorDash, the app that brings you the food that you want immediately ordering is easy open the doordash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting with over 300,000 partners in the u.s puerto rico canada and australia you can support your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national chains as well like chipotle wendy's and the cheesecake factory uh, wendy's spicy chicken ahead of game seven that might be an idea as well many of your favorite local restaurants are all still open for delivery as well you got to help them out they've been serving you this entire time they've served you before the pandemic they will continue to serve you after if you help them out right now just open the doordash app select your favorite local restaurant and your food will be left right at your door deliveries from doordash are now contactless to keep communities that they operate in safe right now our listeners get five dollars off and zero delivery fees as well on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the doordash app and enter the promo code locked on nba that's five bucks off that's a pretty significant amount and zero delivery fees which we all know are a big cost most of the time on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app, enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Again, you can download it in any app store that you use. Don't forget, that's the code LOCKEDONNBA for 5 bucks off with your first order on DoorDash. Today's show is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Maybe you've spent a lot of money on your food that you're preparing to eat during Game 7 and you don't want to spend money on car parts. And you can do that. You can avoid spending a ton of money on car parts with rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving online auto parts customers for years, 20 years to be exact. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets, whatever it is, they've got it, whether it's for your class or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and you choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. It's such an intuitive website. You just type in the year, make, model, and then all of the parts for whatever it is you need fixed or replaced on your car 
come up and you find just a bunch of different options as well. The most used parts, the most expensive parts, cheapest parts, whatever it is. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for, for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. And now let's get to it. Myself, John Corrales from Locked On Celtics, a locked over, locked on, locked over, locked on crossover event that is talking about Game Seven, Raps Celts tonight. Enjoy. Hey, Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here, joined once again for a massive crossover event here on the Locked On Podcast Network with the host of Locked On Celtics here to preview an enormous Game Seven in a series that has been. Pretty freaking awesome so far after one of the best playoff games I can recall. I, I mean, I'm sure for a neutral, it was a lot more fun than for someone with a rooting interest. But uh, we got a Game 7, Raptors-Celtics going on Friday. It's very exciting times. John Corrales is here. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing. Just uh, doing some research on the Miami Heat for the next <laughs> series. Just brushing up on that Raptors-Heat matchup. You know, <laughs> the matchup throughout the season. Hey, we're all basketball fans at heart, so I get it. Um, it, look, there's going to be, I'm sure, some good-natured ribbing on this podcast, as there should be. Why the hell not? Sports hate is fun. Um, and, and as I've often told my Raptors listeners on Lockdown Raptors, John Corrales is the only acceptable Celtics fan. Sometimes we throw in, <laughs> we sometimes throw in Michael Pina, but not right now. He's too much on his Marcus nah. Smart uh, propaganda train right now. So we'll talk to Pina again another time. Um, right now, I mean, John, let's first touch on game six a little bit i mean we both covered it on our own podcasts on thursday uh so we maybe don't need to spend too much time on it but to start off what were your uh sort of <laughs> feelings as that game was going on as i noted on my podcast today uh or on thursdays as you're hearing this on friday morning um the, the that's maybe the most tense i've ever been for a raptors game it might have just been that like having Kawhi on the team last year despite some very high leverage games it was always like oh there's that walking security blanket who right. just like nuzzle into us and warm us whenever needed. The Raptors don't have that this season. And so I, every time the Celtics threw a lob to Daniel Tice in the overtime, I a few times had the thought, there's no way the Raptors can score four more points in the last three minutes here. There's no way. It's just not happening. They yeah. did. But what was your sort of roller coaster of emotions watching whatever the hell that game was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just... I mean, it really was just amazing. Like it was one of the more amazing things that I've seen because I I did not expect some of the shots that the Raptors were hitting. Like mm. the, the the Celtics made big shots, the Raptors made big shots, and after each one of the Celtics big shots, I was like, this is it. This is where it turns. And then Kyle Lowry again. Like I, I, it's I gotta give respect to Kyle Lowry. Just he completely willed the Raptors to that win. He there. There's no chance that if he was even good, that you, you he needed to be amazing for you guys. And then it just big shot after big shot after big shot. So uh, leaving aside that Nick Nurse play where he was standing in the corner, which is just infuriating to me. And <laughs> you know, Nick Nurse, who looks exactly like a professional basketball player, definitely easy to mistake for, uh, you know, Marcus Smart or whoever it was. Well, no, well here's the thing, though. He, Daniel Tice was standing in the corner. 
So out of the corner of Jason Tatum's eyes, he saw a white guy with brown hair, and he passed it to him. So that's leaving that out because people want to listen to the third segment of my last podcast. Uh, You can go do that again. (laughs) Um, Leaving aside that the last two-minute report showed that, yeah, Kemba Walker was fouled on that last play. Uh, I thought everything was was just great. It was too it was too heavyweights. And we, I, I used the, the joke that it was like it's a Rocky movie, but it really was like a Rocky movie where no one no one can like it's just one big hayma- haymaker after another. Mm-hmm. And it's just who can dramatically be the last person standing? And it was you know, in a gaffer game like that, you just like tip your cap and you say, You got us and move on yeah i have very little time for like the referee conversation if i'm being honest yes kemba was fouled but also like that was a shooting foul on og with like whatever time and 1.3 seconds should have come off cloth i I feel like if you are thinking about that game and the officials are the thing you're thinking about after it like you're kind of missing the entire point of what that game was and so I, I'm glad that it's not really a, a thing that you seem all that worried about. Minus no, no. Like, I, like, it is what it is. As, as I, I, I always say on my podcast, I'll say it for the benefit of the Raptors listeners, if it comes down to a referee's call, there's always a place earlier in the game that you can, you can say, all right, this is, this is where the game was really decided. The Celtics, mm-hmm. for some reason, cannot come out in third quarters. Uh, yeah. Like I pulled out the stat. It's something like, the Celtics are outscoring the Raptors by 32 cumulatively in the series, but in the third quarter, they're being outscored by Toronto by 37. I don't know how that's even possible. It's, it's yeah. an insane number. But the Celtics, and they know it. I asked Kimball Walker after the game, and he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I could. We know it. We talk about it. And yet we come out there and you see it. So if the Celtics do that again, then it's, it's, we're going to have another one of these game sixes. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I just, it was such a great game. I'm so glad it happened. And regardless of what happens, it, it's like, it, it establishes this series as like a classic, which I think is really all we wanted as like basketball fans coming into it. Yes, like for you or I watching the Raptors or Celtics go to a four or five game series win would have been much more easy on like the heart. But it <laughs> is, yeah. uh, it's it's why we watch sports, man, and I'm very glad that we've gotten a few absolute bangers of games out of this series so far, uh, right. and then a couple of blowouts, which <laughs> have kind of swayed things <laughs> in the overall differential. Like you mentioned, the plus 32 over the course of the six games in the favor of Boston, even though it is a 3-3 series. So, John, we look ahead to Game 7, and, you know, you kind of throw everything out, obviously. I feel like this series has been figured out and the terms have been established between these two teams for, like, four or five games now. Not much has changed in terms of strategy. It's just kind of been execution, it seems, um, with different guys kind of popping up here and there. Norm Powell having his night last night. Uh, Marcus Saul finally hitting a three against the Celtics for the first time all season, which was unbelievable. Right. Um, of all times. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Forcing my editor, Daniel Reynolds, to shave his beard after he said he would if Gasol went better, two or two of six or better from three, uh, which is very good stuff. So shout out to Daniel Reynolds of Raptors HQ uh, for, for, for fulfilling and shaving his beard like within an hour. I'm very proud of him. Either way, um, you know, you go into a game he seven. he wanted to shave his beard? No, he doesn't, though. He's a beard guy. He's been yeah. growing out this monster the entirety of the p- pandemic, I think. uh 
he's uh, he, he's feeling a little bit naked today. But either way, um, you know, the, the terms feel very much established. Going into a Game 7, you know, it's... It's very reductive and boring, but it'll probably come down to, like, who hits the most threes and, you know, how does Kyle Lowry play and how does Jason Tatum play? How do the best players on each team play? It's all just coin flip stuff at this point. But I think the really fascinating question about this is sort of a question of stakes, John, and what is at stake for each of these teams? So let's start with Boston and then we can flip it back to the Raptors. But I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about this. All of the offseason thinking has really been dedicated to the Bucks. it feels like, because of sure. everything going going on there and same with the Sixers as well Boston's in a very good place obviously they have Tatum and Brown who are on the come up and continue to be uh really really exciting excellent young players who get better every, every single year they've got a bunch of young dudes on the bench but what happens if Boston loses this game do you foresee big changes do you foresee them just kind of running it back with Kemba Walker still only on year one of his deal going into year two next season um, do you think they sort of look to reshape the roster in any sort of significant way, knowing that Kevin Durant is coming into the Eastern Conference next year and maybe there won't be such an easy path to a finals? What is at stake here for Boston and what could we see if they end up losing this game? Yeah, I I, I didn't even really think about it much. I, I don't think there is much at stake for the Celtics. So you, they've got Jalen Brown under contract. Jason Tatum's going to get his max extension. Like you said, Kemba's in year one of his deal. That's that's a, a core right there. They're they're kind of toying around with you know Grant Williams is a rookie. He's getting playoff minutes. Um, Romeo Langford is is a rookie who has shown like little spots of promise here and there. So he he's going to have an opportunity to make some make some noise next year and earn a spot, earn some minutes. Robert Williams is going to have an opportunity to earn more minutes. Uh, the biggest question for the Celtics this offseason is Gordon Hayward and what does he do? And so I'm assuming everybody's assuming that he's going to opt in. Mm -hmm. So because he's he's due thirty four million dollars. What what do they do with the salary cap? I, I guess maybe the Celtics can say if if the salary cap is um, it stays flat and stays at one oh nine. Uh, do they do they put him on the block and try to get out of the luxury tax or do they, they bring him back and you, you eat it? Or do you negotiate a long-term deal with him and say, hey, we'll give you the five years and spread this out because there's it gives you more uh, certainty over those five years. But that that's about it. This team is what it is. And the, the biggest question for the Celtics is going to be, do they keep Gordon Hayward long-term? Does he just come back and they say, all right, we'll deal with you after, after this, this one year? Or do they put him on the block and say, hey, it's going to be too expensive. We'll see if we can flip Gordon Hayward for like two decent role players or one decent role player and one redemption project. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, and they just re-upped Brad Stevens. So like everybody's coming back. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
Yeah, they very much seem like a team that's not really at risk of having to change much. And, you know, the Raptors are kind of similar, right? I mean, they have their core sort of set up. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet's a free agent, and that's sort of the big question hanging over everything along with Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. I mean, those two guys, I think it's a little bit less heavy in terms of the the direction of the franchise whether they come back or not they're wonderful players i would like you know in a perfect world they're all back because i just want to keep this hilariously fun crew together for the rest of time um <laughs> but like whether gasol or abaca return next season i don't think will dictate whether or not the raptors are a good team and making the playoffs and things like that you know they have siakam already signed to his extension og might get extended this summer more likely i think they kick it a year down the road uh once they sort of kind of solidify their plans for 2021 and then they'll probably extend them after that uh when he hits restricted free agency or not extend him just sign him to a new contract and then you know i, I would assume they're going to pay van vliet whatever it takes just because he's very clearly an important part of the team is he perfect no we've seen it in this series he has his limitations for sure and when he's not hitting his threes the you know the lack of finishing around the rim is a problem and all that stuff i still think they're going to keep him i don't think they're going to let some team come in and throw an offer that they won't match uh on free agency so that there's that it just what's at stake for the Raptors and Raptors fans is you know only the most fun season that's ever happened in the history of the team I mean (laughs) like you know obviously the, the title season was its own thing and it will always sort of be on its own regardless but like this has been such a treat of a season and really unexpected the way it's turned out it kind of all feels like gravy at this point, but now you get to a game seven and everything feels super heavy again um, because the opportunity is there. And, and also, I would say what is at stake in this game is that both of these teams, I think, are better than Miami. And a, and a chance, a right. real, real chance to make it to the finals is at stake here because as much as Miami beat the hell out of the Bucks, I kind of think that was a very specific matchup they were geared towards. And the Bucks make it quite easy to prepare for because they are bad at adjusting and they don't like to change things and a team like Miami could just hammer those those flaws and weaknesses over and over again whereas I don't think the matchup lines up quite as well for the Heat with either Boston or Toronto both teams offer very different issues and both teams offer very good point guards and they are not good at defending point guards whatsoever unless that point guard is Eric Bledsoe who basically is just defending himself at this point so um, you know would you agree with that like do you think that whoever wins this series has an inside track on making the finals? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I think I think both teams, and, and that's that's kind of why when you sit there and I look at that last two minute report, I, you know, again, I, I'm not gonna blame the officiating, but you have that pang of like, that's the game, that's the series, hmm. and you you sit there and you say, well, if that's if that's the series, if they lose tomorrow, if the Celtics lose, uh, well tonight Friday. Um, and you look back on that and you say, they played well enough to win, but because of that call, they didn't have that opportunity. Um, that sucks because then you look at Miami and you say, Celtics can beat Miami. And then you get to the NBA Finals, and here's, a, here's an opportunity to get to the NBA Finals, and, and who knows what the hell happens there. The Celtics have played the Clippers extraordinarily well. By that time, Gordon Hayward is back. And if they, if they face the Lakers then you've got this historic Celtics-Lakers again in the NBA Finals, and that'd be a lot of fun. So that, that's, when you look ahead, that's, that's a lot. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, this is, this is reputations. This is, if, if the Raptors get to the Finals again, think about 
the reputation for Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're already starting to hear like the conversation. Is Kyle Lowry a Hall of Famer? I think so. I think so. Then he gets to the final. He leads the Raptors to the finals. This is he's been the best player in this series mm-hmm. and consistently. And if he leads them another round after being down like a half second down, <laughs> uh, a half second away from being down 3-0, you really love that little comment there. That smile oh, just it's so spread good. across your face. <laughs> uh, uh, but to be in that position, to be the one who made that pass, to be the one who, who has consistently hit the big shots, and then to get back to the finals, I mean, then the conversation instantly changes about uh, Lowry because now, of course, he's a Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. right? Um, Nick Nurse already has has made a huge splash as a coach, but of course now coach of the year, hell yeah, <laughs> coach of the decade. Like you know, he, <laughs> the reactions you know around the the team, a team like the Raptors because they weren't supposed to be there because we started this season talking about like. How soon before Kyle Lowry's on the market, you know, and how soon before they blow this up and, you know, let, let's see what Masai Ujiri puts together all of a sudden to be in this position. It's, it's huge for the Raptors. So there, there is a lot in the line, not, not necessarily like nothing negative. I, I don't think mm-hmm. if the Raptors, whichever team loses, it's like, why couldn't both team wins? Why don't we have both these teams play again in the conference final? <laughs> Because, you know, sorry, Miami, this, this series needs seven more games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think if either team loses, it's like, well, you, you like I said before, you tip your hat, your hat to them and you say, I, I think these teams are, are, are so equal. Um, I, I do think the Celtics are slightly better, but they're so equal that just a couple of bounces here or there can change the entire dynamic of the game. And so it's hard to say that if, if the Celtics lose, you can look back at it and be like, oh, my God, what a terrible coaching job. Or mm-hmm. if, if the Raptors lose, oh, my God, what did Nick Nurse do? Like, they did everything. I mean, he even baited Jason Tatum into throwing a ball out of bounds. I mean, that's, <laughs> you're doing everything that they can to win this series. Nick Nurse playing better defense than Ennis Cantor could ever dream of playing in this series. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. That's a total <laughs> fact. You're not going to get any argument from me on that. I can't wait. I really look forward to the Game 7 Ennis Cantor minutes. I'm speaking it into existence. Oh, please. my God. Pretty please. I uh, will. I will. I, <laughs> is Toronto letting Americans into the country yet? Not yet. Probably not for another year or so. But <laughs> I hate your smart country. <laughs> Yeah, we really don't need this in the form of uh, a series win here. You guys could definitely use the uh, the morale boost. Although yeah. I think most of America hates the Celtics, <laughs> so maybe that's not true. It um, will unify <laughs> them in their hate against the common enemy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there's another common enemy that everyone should be unified in hating, first and foremost, the head of the Celtics. The Celtics can be number two. Um, when it uh, comes to like all the encore stuff in Game 7, John, we should probably talk about that. As I mentioned, like things feel kind of set in terms of the matchups, but there was uh, a bit of a change for the Raptors yesterday that uh, ended up winning them the game after I wanted to poke my eyes out for the first like five to ten minutes of the experience, and that was the small lineup featuring OG Ananobi playing as the nominal center, Siakam, Lowry, Van Vliet, and Powell, who came in, scored 23 points, 15 points in both overtimes, and was, I mean, for my money, as great as Kyle was, without Norm, they don't win that game. 
game. I sure. mean, without the contributions of any of those guys, I don't win that game. I mean, as much as Pascal was bad on offense, his defense was transcendent. Right. And, and so, he had a big shot. Exactly, like, yeah. So, yeah. so with the small lineup, uh, you know, we talked after game two about the small lineup and whether or not it was something you were worried about the Raptors going to. Now that you've seen it, A, do you imagine, I mean, we uh, I guess we don't know. It was such a desperate time for the Raptors. We don't know if that was just sort of like a, you know, break glass in case of emergency type thing where they rolled that out for the final 18 minutes of, of the game or if it's something that Nick Nurse is just going to go to more often but I thought that lineup defended its ass off their offense came around uh, in the form of sort of pick and pop actions with OG in particular uh, later on in the game and, and you know in the, in the second overtime really it kind of kicked in where they scored those 19 points but I'm curious, John, is there is there some worry for you looking at how that small lineup defended against the Celtics, and do you think that could kind of be a key here now that apparently Norman Powell has arrived? Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of Norman Powell arriving, uh, <laughs> but here's the difference between the small lineup that sucked in game, was it game two or no? I think game it was five. game five, yeah. Game five. Uh, and and the the one that worked in game six, uh, the in in game five, Brad Wanamaker was on the floor for a lot of those minutes, and be, having that third guard, now all of a sudden, your your quote unquote bigs Pascal Siakam had to guard a a a wing player, whereas in game six brad stevens kept daniel tyson there right and you can guard daniel tice which means you're guarding closer to the lane which means you can defend the rim and it's weird to say that down the stretch i want more brad wanamaker i think that's something that you have to consider when they go small you can't allow daniel tice. now daniel tice when they did, did go small all of a sudden he was flaring out to the corners but i don't think Toronto is as worried about Daniel Tice flaring out to the corners. You, you can you can help off of him. If he hits those shots, I know he did in that seeding game, but if he hits those shots, then you say, okay, you've, we've picked our poison, and Daniel Tice, who's like a 30% three-point shooter this year and not having a great series shooting-wise, if if he beats you, then so so be it. You know, that's it's like the Celtics have – if if Gasol beats you from three, or Ibaka, who's just been on fire, like you, you got to pick somebody. Somebody's gonna have to take those shots. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I think depending on the time of the game, if they if they try to go small early, it'll be a mistake because like if Nick Nurse says, "Boy, this really worked for us last night. We're gonna try it again early in the first quarter, trying to get a jump on it." I think Brad Stevens feels like, "Well, now in the first quarter, I have no problem throwing Wanamaker." Right. in there and going smaller and forcing you guys to defend uh, a lot more on the perimeter uh, and, and a big bulky, like strong guard who can kind of get to get to his spots. Um, if, if nurse decides that he's going to go to that lineup, I think he's best in, in using it down the stretch of a close game. Mm -hmm. So don't burn it early because I think you're going to end up seeing a blowout again, or the Celtics go on a huge run. If you if it's close, I if the Celtics are going on a run and you say shit, I got to do something, and then you throw that out there, you just got to do what you got to do. But if it's close, I think down the stretch in the fourth quarter, when you you're gonna dare Brad Stevens to take one of his starters out mm -hmm. and 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 try to match what worked, 
Um, that that I think is when that lineup can be effective. Yeah, I think it definitely works better when Tice is out there, and I think you know, in theory, and I think a couple of the possessions in the overtimes kind of point to why y- you would keep Tice out there, right? He was able to just sort of rise up for those alley-oop dunks. Um, you know, sure. with the amount of help you have to send towards Kemba Walker whenever he kind of probes into the paint, you're kind of always going to open up Tice because it's just kind of the instant reaction. Kemba Walker inspires fear. Daniel Tice inspires less fear. You're, you're, go- you're going to sort of help off of him. We saw that at the end of Game 3 as well with that bucket that almost won the series before the Raptors uh, stormed back ferociously with the, with the made three right. over Taco Fall. But, um, you know, the, the other sort of counter to that, though, is I think most of the miscues defensively that came late in that game were just pure exhaustion-based more than they totally. were ability-based. And, and I think, like, it was very clear on OG's face, for example, that he was absolutely gassed. And I think if he's sort of got his wits about him, that's not going to be a thing that they struggle with quite as much. And I also think, you know, when you keep Tice out there, the idea, I think you would assume, is that, oh, well, we can bludgeon them on the glass. But because the Celtics have been so attentive to getting back on defense, because of what the Raptors do in transition, in particular what they do in transition when they're small, I don't think you can afford to have Daniel Tice out there to try to crash the offensive glass in a way where you might be able to take advantage of the size mismatch there. And it's not even that much of a size mismatch. What is he, like 6'8", six, 6'9"? Six, He's like yeah. the size of OG Ananobi. And so you don't really get that advantage. So I agree. Like It's much more scary to me and a little more risky if you have Wanamaker in there as, as opposed to Tice. But at the same time, like Siakam's had no trouble guarding Tatum out in space or Brown out in space. Um, you know, outside of Game Five, where he was uh, miserable on defense and basically got blown up, blown by once by every single Celtic. I, I think for the most part, he's he's held his own. And like OG, if you're throwing him out to the wing and maybe Siakam's your center on defense, I also think you're kind of fine with that as well. Maybe you throw him on Smart or whatever it is, and you just concede those shots. I mean, we've seen Marcus Smart go off in this series. It's terrifying every time he rises up for three, which is a weird <laughs> feeling to have. But um, I think I've that's, never had anybody say that before. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. I hate it. It's like my least favorite feeling in the world when he gets a wide open three in this series um but i also think like the raptors are totally fine living with marcus smart and jalen brown and if brad wanamaker were to come in like brad wanamaker taking a bunch of those shots and funneling things away from tatum and and walker i mean i think they did a good job of that in games in game six I, i thought you know brown taking 30 shots is not what you want if you're boston and i think that's very much by design for the raptors and i think when they're in that small configuration as we saw down the stretch i think they do a pretty good job of funneling those shots to where they want them to go just because of the way they can switch and hedge and recover and all this stuff i I just feel like they they open up a lot defensively you know i I was calling for gasol in the last part of regulation and even into the first overtime i I thought i was really worried about norm he'd been so bad throughout the entire series obviously proven wrong because i'm a dumb idiot but uh you know (laughs) I, i think you know the raptors can't really go wrong whether they're going with Gasol at center or going small, I don't think. I think where this game, where these games really have been sort of decided a lot of the time. I mean, out of the gate, if the Raptors starters aren't looking good, they've been bludgeoned. But for the most part, it's been those sort of in-between lineups. And if Ibaka's firing and Powell's firing, the Raptors stand a good chance. If the bench is not doing anything and they're having to resort to Matt Thomas minutes for extended time, then that becomes more of a problem. Although Matt Thomas, uh, plus eight yesterday or <laughs> in like six minutes. So 
maybe those maybe that is a good thing. The second on the team in plus minus yesterday. Shoutouts to Matt Thomas, uh, forever and always in our hearts. Um, any other tactical stuff from this game, John, that you're interested in sort of thinking about, or is it again? We've kind of seen these teams play each other six times. Not yeah. much has changed. It's just like who does the things better more than anything. But is there something maybe that we're not thinking of tactically that uh, is, is of well, interest to you? Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing I want to see what the Celtics do is how do you get Kemba Walker going yeah. early? Um, they, they Obviously, Kemba was taken out by that box and one, which, um, look, that's – I think the Celtics looked at that and said, okay, fine, you want to play four on four? We'll take our four and your four, and, and, and we'll be good with that. And really, honestly, that, that was fine. The Celtics came out fine. Um, the, the game turned with a minute 40 to go in the first half. The Celtics were up 10, and it looked like they were cruising. I, I, I mean, how were you feeling before I finished my Oh, thoughts? I wanted to die. I, I was certain that they were toast. Yeah, it didn't feel good. Right, exactly. And then all of a sudden you make that run, an 8-0 run. The Celtics go into the half up 4 versus up 10 or more than 10. And that's when things changed. And then the third quarter was the third quarter, and we had our slugfest from there. Uh, so on one hand, I say, well, we need to get Kemba Walker going early. But the Celtics' offense was kind of fine. Of course, it was kind of fine because Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown were hitting all of their shots. And, and that's you – know, maybe, maybe they'll, they can do it. They've done it a couple of times. It, it's, it's – you know, maybe they won't. Um, so I, I would like to see Kemba Walker get some rhythm going early on. So how did the Celtics do that? If they come out with a box and one, do they do they set high screens or do they move the screens off to the side and and try to attack from a different angle, um, or do they just say, you know what, fine, Kemba, go stand out at, at half court. You want to get weird, Nick Nurse? Let's get weird. Kemba, you stand at half court. We're really going to play four on four. Mm. And let's see what the Celtics can do offensively with all of that space. And Kemba, just stay way the hell out of the way. And if if your guy goes to help off you, then you catch the ball on the move and then you can do something. So th there are going to be some options. But I think if the Celtics want to do anything in Game 7, it really would benefit them if Kemba got seven points in the first quarter just to feel that rhythm, just to see that ball go through the hoop. Because down the stretch... In that fourth quarter, in the overtimes, Jason Tatum, the weakest part of his game is his ball hand. Mm -hmm. And until he tightens that up, I think I think there's another level he can get to. But we saw him get ripped a couple of times. Uh, it's Kemba that, that's going to be the one that can turn the corner, that's, that's shifty, that, that can get by guys, even if he's double teamed. Kemba's the guy that's going to be imperative for the Celtics to get going down the stretch. I think if they get him going early, that's going to help him late. So, if anything, I want to see what Brad Stevens does there. Um, like I said, either you start, you set the pick way up high mm -hmm. and get Kemba going against those two defenders in the zone and let them pinch and he can kick, or you get it off to the side and up high so it becomes almost sort of like a regular pick and roll because instead of going straight down the middle where there are two defenders, you got that one defender, and then Kemba can get into a little bit more space in the paint. So yeah. I want to see how they do that. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, the way, the way the Raptors play defense, too, it doesn't exactly 
sort of it's this isn't the Bucks playing defense where it's the same thing every time it's the same look every time I mean I mean they they'll throw out like six different defenses in a quarter just to kind of keep teams on their toes and I think you've seen that and I think we there was the quote early in the year from Jason Tatum about how the Raptors give him the most trouble because they're constantly playing freaky ass basketball and trying new things and getting weird and you know at times that can burn them because you know the the, maybe they they don't quite execute something quite as well as you would if you were doing it every single time down but they're pretty damn good at it on the fly and so I think that's been a big reason why Kemba has not gotten terribly comfortable in this entire series outside of a couple games here and there where he's gone off is that you know they're sending a ton of different looks his way and they've sent a ton of different looks Jason Tatum's way as well you know it's a bit of a -a whack-a-mole thing right the Raptors star killing defense doesn't quite work the same against a team with multiple ball handling stars the way the Celtics have and so I think that's why you're you're kind of always seeing one of those guys kind of going off but if you're limiting it to just one because of what they're doing and you're kind of daring Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown to win the game from the corners I think the Raptors are okay with that and if they go down that way they go down you know the way they've gone down all season long which is you know they, they play this very sort of risky style of defense where they're constantly moving around they're constantly you know running out rotating contesting and they give up a ton of corner threes by design and you know if Marcus Smart hitting 60% of his threes like he's J.R. Smith in the 20 uh, whatever year it was 2018 <laughs> second round if that's what's going to win the series then I think they'll just say you know what we got beat by Marcus Smart doing a J.R. Smith impression and that's fine so um, either way it's been a wonderful series I'm very excited we get one, one more game of it uh, obviously I think everyone knows where our uh, leanings will go both you and I but um, this has been a lot of fun man anything uh, parting shots closing thoughts or anything you would like to promote Nick Nurse cheats <laughs> no I'm not kidding uh, <laughs> uh, as always um, I, I will say I did get a, a wonderful email from a Toronto Raptors fan who checked out the Lockdown Celtics podcast and said I was mostly reasonable in, in objective. Hell yeah. Which was very nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, I do try to approach it that way. So if anybody is listening and wants to get the Celtics perspective from a non-maniac, please come over to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. And follow me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. Once again, the only acceptable Celtics fan. Uh, and that's okay. <laughs> also, I, I mean, just uh, to point out, again, this, the whole series is that uh, worldwide wob tweet about Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry pointing at each other and falling over while defending each other. Like, there's, right. there's plenty of gamesmanship and ref complaining and bad calls and flopping going on on both sides. And I respect the hustle from both sides. It, it is very much a... Uh, it's a mirror image type of series as you know different as these teams are built they're very similar in spirit as well and so uh, it's 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 begrudging respect in a lot of ways for the Celtics team as much as uh, I don't enjoy uh, the, the team or the most of the people around it. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, uh, Locked on Celtics. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. I am at Locked on Raptors at Woodley Sean on Twitter. Uh, much appreciated when you go ahead and subscribe to rate and review our shows and all of the Locked on Podcast Network shows. Go check out Locked on Clippers and Locked on Lakers and Locked on Rockets and Locked on nuggets and all the other shows covering teams that are still alive i guess locked on heat too with old dave ramil he's fine i guess nah. whatever nah. Yeah. Uh, nah. <laughs> that's gonna do it john thanks for this man enjoy game seven you got it you too man but not that much <laughs>
Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.